Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is our league, and this is your league. From the 55-yard line on CFL America Radio and the Sports History Network. This is a league of A's and B's. It's green and red and gold and black and blue. This is a league with two official languages and many unofficial languages. It's East versus West, Wheat versus Iron, Love versus Hate. This is a league where superstars are extraordinary and ordinary at the same time. It's a league of ice, of fog, of mud and wind. And for one Sunday in November, it's the nation's glue. This is a league as diverse as a country, a league of Jacksons and Kwongs, Johnsons, Moscas, O'Shea's, and Haji Razulis. This is his league, his league, her league, their league, and their league. It's my league, and it's your league. This is our league. Hey, and welcome to the 55-yard line, where tonight, uh, I am flying solo tonight. Scott is taking the weekend off. He's got a nice weekend planned with his wife down in Birmingham there. And uh, so tonight, we're a little change of pace. We are joined by co-author of Third and Long, The Proud History of Football in Ottawa, Howie Mooney. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you. Oh, you're welcome. And for listeners, um, Howie is the co-host, the co-host of the Sports Lunatic, the Sports Lunatics Sports History Podcast. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> I'm not going to try. Uh, and he's the featured writer at Fired Up at the Fired Up Network, and he is also the former color commentator for the Ottawa Lynx AAA baseball team and the Ottawa Senators. So. Howie, thanks for joining me. We've already been talking for about an hour before we hit the record button. So I can't believe we've been talking that long already. <laughs> well, you know, that's the great thing about, you know, us being sports fans. And we just, we start talking, you can't shut us up. And that's, you know, and you, and you're like me, you're, you're a huge sports history nut more so because you actually have a book um, written on, uh, you know, on one of those teams that in the CFL doesn't really get a whole lot of, I don't know what to say. Nobody talks to them about them. Nobody talks about them much anymore, and that being the Ottawa Rough Riders. Well, they went for so long without winning the Grey Cup. I mean, they went from 1976 uh, to winning it then, you know, Clemens to Gabriel on that great historic pass. 1981, they made it to the Grey Cup final against Edmonton, but they lost to that, that juggernaut, that Edmonton Eskimos team. And then 2016... It, they they got back to the Grey Cup. Henry Burris was the quarterback, 
And they won it in overtime against the Calgary Stampeders, a team that was widely favored in that game. But Ottawa won it. And I was in the building. And I'm so thankful that I was. I got to be there with my son and uh, relive or live that moment out with him. And, and so that, that's a moment I treasure. I, I got to see my Ottawa Rough Riders or Ottawa Red Blacks, Ottawa football team anyway, uh, win a Grey Cup. And in 1993, I got to see my Montreal Canadiens win a Stanley Cup in the Montreal Forum as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you've been, I mean, you've, you literally have grown up with your hometown teams. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and when did your, um, when it comes to the Rough Riders, when did that, when did that fandom begin? Oh, I think it was because my uncle was a season ticket holder. My grandfather was a season ticket holder and the, the, the games were omnipresent. Everybody in Ottawa on game day, you know, everything would stop and all would be, everything would be Ottawa Rough Riders uh, all day. And, and during the season, it was all week because at that time, growing up in the 60s, football in Ottawa was a giant party. It was a massive party. They had a great team. They were contenders for the Grey Cup every year. Uh, from the time, 1959, when Russ Jackson became their quarterback, Frank Clare was their coach, until 1969, uh, when, which was Russ Jackson's last year as quarterback. He retired after that. Frank Clare became general manager after that, and he gave the coaching reins to Jack Goda. Uh, that was like a, an 11-year party. Then the 70s dawned like a terrible hangover and everything just stopped. Without Russ Jackson there, without a bunch of the other stars uh, from 1969, 68, 66, uh, you know, the contending teams of the 60s, without them being there, it all just kind of stopped. And there there became other things to do as well in Ottawa. You know, as time went by, you know, the Expos uh, were formed in 1969. And they were an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half up the road. Everybody could go see Expos games all summer. When the Expos got good, uh, you know, in the later 70s and, and into the 80s, uh, they became the, the focus uh, for a lot of people. And the Ottawa Rough Riders at that time were really, really bad as well. Right. Uh, I remember in 80, 86, 87, 88. 88 was supposed to be super season 88. And I made air quotes there. Uh, dubbed by the, uh, by the team and their promotional material. The team went 2-16 and 16 and... It was just God awful. And I remember going to games, you know, we still go to the games, but we'd wear paper bags on our heads, similar to what uh, the new Orleans saints fans did, you know, <laughs> you know, and after a couple of games with people wearing paper bags and the, on their heads, you know, people start looking and pointing at you and, yeah. uh, you know, that's okay. I'm still here at the games. I'm still coming. I still love the team, but I'm just, I, I my love for the team makes me sad that they're so bad. And that's the way I feel right now about the Red Blacks. I mean, their O-line, their, auto, their yeah. offensive line is, is just awful. Yeah. I, somebody was saying to me tonight that, you know, Trevor Harris is kind of on the outs in Edmonton. Ottawa could get him. And, of course, Trevor Harris would be better than what they have. But he'll get killed behind that offensive line. It's, it's right. Swiss cheese. Well, I know. And, you know, playing fantasy, CFL fantasy football over at Goal Line Software, I picked Matt Nichols up. And, uh, yeah, within two weeks, he was gone off my team. And I was, you know, as luck would have it, I was able to pick up Bo, Bo, Le- uh, Le- uh, Bo Levy. But, um, yeah, you're right. I just, yeah, it's it's sad to, you know, even today's game, it's like, man, I feel for Ottawa fans because knowing that feeling, I, being a huge Arizona Cardinal fan, I know that feeling of losing. So I get it. 
Well, being an Arizona Cardinals fan is good for you this year because they have a really, really good team, and Kyler Murray looks very, very good. Yeah, yeah, they do. It'll be interesting tomorrow to uh, to see if they can beat Cleveland. And it's weird to even, even contemplate to say, if they beat Cleveland, then we know they're for real. <laughs> Just think about that. It doesn't, it, but it, it, you know, yeah. But if they if they win, but I, you know, we'll see though. I mean, they are the Cardinals, so it's um, you know, with football, it's such a, it's one of those sports, it's such, it's such a game where the beginning of the season. I mean, it, we'll use the Cardinals as a good example. When the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl that one year, if you look at that statistics of that team, just how god awful they were. But man, when they hit the playoffs and they squeaked into the playoffs. That's when they hit their stride. And, you know, even thinking about that wasn't, I mean, there was a team in Ottawa that was kind of like that. Didn't they have a, a lo- uh, going, a losing record going into the gray cup? I want to yeah, five. Yeah. Five and 11. And they were, they were, they made the playoffs because there were teams worse than them, but they, you know, the, the, they, they, the wonderful thing about that team was the fact that JC Watts came in, you know, after the NFL cuts right. at Labor Day, which is about halfway through the season. And, uh, you know, he became accustomed and acclimatized to, to the, the game plans and the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the plays. And uh, he just kind of absorbed everything and, and the team rallied around him. And he was just amazing down the stretch. They picked up momentum at the right time. They won the Eastern final. They won the, the uh, or sorry, they won the Eastern semifinal. Then they won the Eastern final. They made it to the uh, Grey Cup. They were. I was. I was watching a thing today about it. A, somebody, a friend of mine, sent me a, a little video, a twenty-minute video of the Ottawa Roughriders and their history. George Brancato was the coach. He said they were twenty-five point underdogs. He said you could get action uh, on the uh, on them for twenty a twenty-five point underdog in the Grey Cup, which is unheard of. Right. Because, but at the at halftime, Ottawa was leading twenty to one, and for 59 minutes and 57 seconds they were either they either had the lead or were tied a dave cutler field goal with three seconds left won the game for edmonton it was their fourth straight gray cup victory they won the fifth next year the following year with matt dunnigan who was on your show and i i love that show that that you guys did with him love that man oh just an amazing amazing show and i will invite everybody that's listening to this if you missed that show, go back and listen to it because it's spectacular. Listening to Matt Dunnigan tell stories, just I could I could listen to that guy talk all night. That show could have been three hours easily, with with as much as Matt told us afterwards and the stories and you know I always feel when I when I'm talking you know when I talk you know everybody up in Canada talk CFL, I always get envious because, I mean we had the NFL down here you know but it's you know, there's a closeness that's that Canadian fans have with their CFL teams that really, in my opinion, we don't have down here Americans with the NFL. I mean, well, yes, I we root for our teams, yeah. but there's a, there's a, you know, the CFL is much more of a fans league, if you ask me. And I, you it, and I would it really agree. is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there, and I could t- think of a few examples of that um, at Red Blacks games. I mean, I haven't gone to any this year because it's, it's, I, I've moved away from Ottawa Right. But I used to make a point, my son and I would make a point to, to go to at least one game a year. Uh, he's up in, in college now, uh, up north. And uh, so I'm not going to drive, make the drive alone. But uh, they have a, a thing after the games where they invite the fans onto the field. 
and some of the players will stick around and talk to the fans. And, and I've seen, I've seen giant scrums of fans around individual players. When William Powell played for Ottawa, I, I mean, I've got a picture somewhere in my phone probably of, <laughs> of, of, of about 20 fans standing around just talking to him. And he's talking to every one of them like, like they're all his friends, you know? It was just yeah. so, so warm. And just the, the ability, you know, you could bring a football down there and throw it around and, and, and run around on the field. And, and uh, I loved for my son to have that experience, being able to do that when he was younger. And, and that's, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to I was going to say the other second, the second example is if you've ever been to a great cup game, go to the Saturday festival the day before the great cup game. Yeah. We were, we went to the game. We went to the game in 2016 in Toronto. We went to the game in Ottawa in 2017, 2017. They had different places set up, but first of all, Lansdowne park, Frank Clair stadium in Lansdowne park, it is all set up with restaurants and, and, and uh, bars and theaters. And it's a, a total social scene there. And it's really, really good the way they've set it up. They had the festival there on the Saturday. Uh, Mike Riley was there just standing, talking to people, asking, qu- answering questions uh, from them. You know, you could get your picture taken with him, go up. And, and he's six foot six. And I'm not. And my son is not <laughs> either. And so it's almost like we would have had to stand on boxes to be close to him. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, but he was, he's so nice. And then there was a down in the Byward market area of Ottawa, there was another place that was the, the CFL PA uh, uh, kind of headquarters. And we, my son and I made our way over there and they had a whole bunch of players there. Kevin Glenn was there. Uh, you know, Almondo Sewell was there. Right. Uh, Patrick Lavoie from the Red Blacks was there. And we got to sit and talk with every one of them. I, you know, I felt badly. Kevin Glenn, you know, it was around four or five in the afternoon and Kevin was sitting there eating. And I said, Kevin, I, I really apologize for bothering you while you're eating. Would it be okay if I got a picture with you and my son? And he says, yeah, absolutely. And he stood up and he, you know, he put his arms around both of us and we got this great picture with Kevin Glenn. And, you know, it's, it, it was just, I can't, it's hard to explain because I feel that the NHL is like that in, in American cities where fans have more access to the players there than we have to the NHL players up here. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I think it's because they're still trying to grow the game down, grow the hockey game down in, in, okay. in, 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 in a lot of Southern places. And yeah. so the, the fans get a lot more access to the, to the players so that you know, they can have that feeling of closeness to the team and closeness to the players. And, and that word of mouth might spread and, and, and develop, uh, you know, a, a fandom or, uh, you know, an attendance, uh, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, And I think here it's kind of this, I don't know. It's not, it's not the same way in Toronto as it is in Ottawa, but in Ottawa, there was this, 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 just this feeling of, you know, community uh, with the, with the players, with the team and the fans. Would it be very, not dissimilar to say with like with Green Bay? Yeah, I think that's a good example. I think that's a really good example of, of how it is. Uh, you know, you, you know, you you know, you recognize that the the fan or the players rec- are recognized by the fans as they're walking around. You know, and but the fans give them their space as well. You know, right. you don't want to be you don't want to be bothering a guy, but yeah. at the same time, you want to say, you know, Henry Burris, the quarterback for the Ottawa Red Blacks, when he moved to Ottawa, was living in a in a, a condo right next to my mom. Oh, wow. And, you know, it was just like, mom, that's Henry Burris. Yeah. I said hi to Henry this morning, you know, 
Like, mom, do you know who Henry Burris is? Yeah. He, he, you know, he's, he's a guy that lives upstairs and, you know, and he plays quarterback for the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'm thinking like, mom, do you understand what this means? You know, it's like, well, yeah. And then of course the kid in you comes out like, Oh, Oh, you become absolutely. 12. Absolutely. And I know you've been involved in sports journalism for, I mean, for a lot longer than the five seconds I've been involved with it, with our podcast. Um, It still doesn't stop me from being a kid though. No. And I know I had uh, in my own professional career, I had uh, an encounter with a very famous Chicago bear on a professional level. And boy, all of a sudden I became 12. And there were like, (laughs) well, well, when I was working, when I was working, when I I was working in, in, I would, I would try to maintain that professional demeanor. Yeah. But I can remember a time where with my, my work team, this is like in 2013, 2014 playing on, I played on our, our, our work hockey team. And part of the, part of getting to play on that team is getting to play in a, in a, you know, a a 2000 seat arena against NHL alumni guys in in a packed place. Right. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I was, I was a goalie. I played goalie for 40 plus years and, and I'm, I'm one of the goalies on the team. So I, I only played part of the game, which was fine with me because those guys would kill me, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm skating off the ice after the end of the period. My, my time in the, in the net is done and I'm trying to get inside the door, you know, the, the, uh, to the benches to go under the stands, to go to back to my dressing room. And, this old man kind of jumps in front of me to get through the tunnel. And I look and I realize it's Johnny Bauer and Johnny Bauer is a hall of fame goalie. Uh, you know, he, uh, he played for the Leafs the last time they won the Stanley cup in 1967. You know, he played for the Rangers. He played for a few different teams in the, in the old 16 NHL. And right. he is, he, well, he's no longer with us, but he is one of the nicest people on earth. And I realized that this old guy that butted in front of me is, is Johnny Bauer. And I became like a 10 year old kid again. And I, you know, I'm Mr. Bauer, Mr. Bauer. I, I can't believe it's you. Are you going to be here for a second? Can I go get my phone and get a picture with you? And he starts laughing. He says, yeah, sure. You know, so I run in, I run into my, into the dressing room and I, I find my pants and I go into my pocket and I pull out my phone, I turn it on and I run back out there with my skates on my equipment on and everything like that. <laughs> and, uh, I give my phone to somebody. It's all set to go. Just press the button. And, uh, you know, I'm standing with Johnny Bauer and we're talking and we're both laughing and saying stupid stuff to each other, stupid hockey chirpy stuff to each other, you know, and, and somebody takes a picture while we're talking and I have this great picture of the two of us laughing together. Uh, you know, uh, me and Johnny Bauer. Then I go back into the dressing room and I go to, I want to take my equipment off because it's smelly and stinky and sweaty. Right. And Marty McSorley sitting in my spot telling stories to two or three other guys in the dressing room. And anybody who's watched hockey for any period of time over the last 30 years knows who Marty McSorley is, uh, you know, and, uh, but he, you know, he was, he was a tough guy. He was Wayne Gretzky's kind of wingman uh, right. when he played for the Edmonton Oilers and, and the LA Kings. And, you know, if anybody touched Wayne Gretzky, McSorley made sure that they wouldn't do it again. You know, right. they uh, made so, sure they paid is what you're that's saying. right. So there's McSorley sitting in my spot and I'm kind of got my hands on my hips kind of saying like, uh, you're in my spot. Can I, can I move a little bit so I can get my equipment up? But he's not moving. So there was a cooler in one corner of the room. I went in, grabbed a beer and I sat down and listened to McSorley tell stories for 15 or 20 minutes. You know, I was just like, this is the, this is, doesn't everybody do this? This is the greatest thing in the world. Oh dude. You know? That's a, that's a, that's an awesome story, man. 
Well, then we go upstairs because there's a reception for, for the people on both teams. And I grab my son out of the stands. We go up to the reception and, uh, uh, you know, I grab a table off to the side cause I don't want to be in the middle of everything. Right. And we're just sitting there and Marty McSorley comes over and he's got a plate and he's got a bottle of water. And he says, is it okay if I sit with you guys? And we said, sure. So I got a picture of, of the two of them, Marty and my son. And my son at the time, I think was about 11. Yeah. And they're fit, they're fist bumping. And my son's fist on Marty McSorley's fist was minuscule. <laughs> and it's a great picture because Marty's looking at him like, I'm going to kill this kid later on, you know, and my yeah. son's got this big smile on his face. And, you know, it's just, I, and the reason I love those is because my, I got my son, my son was able to experience all of those things that I was able to experience as well. Right. Hi, I'm Oz Davis of the True the Goats podcast here at the Sports History Network. I'd like to take a minute to tell you about quite possibly the greatest website of all time, newspapers.com. If you're listening to this podcast or any of them at the Sports History Network, you're probably into sports history. And you probably also know that for learning about anything prior to, say, 1990 online, the typical search engines like are nearly completely useless. But then there's newspapers.com. Newspapers.com gives you access to over 640 million pages worth of news from North America, Britain, Ireland, and more, dating from 1798 to last week. Do up a search for Super Bowl I, the 36th Berlin Olympics, Wayne Gretzky's first game, whatever. Newspapers.com takes you there with historical flavor that search engines like just don't give you. And now, get a free one-week subscription to Newspapers.com by visiting SportsHistoryNetwork.com slash newspapers. With a paid subscription, you'll also be helping to support the production of this podcast and other Sports History Network shows. That's SportsHistoryNetwork.com slash newspapers. Newspapers.com. Way better for searches than you know what I'm talking about. And is he like you? Is he a huge uh, football fan too? My son? Yeah. Oh, he loves all sports. I mean, we've gone on road trips. We went to Boston. We've been to Fenway. Uh, we went to New York. Uh, we didn't get, get to see the Yankees play because they were out of town when we right. were there. But we saw the Mets at City Field. And that's a really nice place. Uh, we, went to, uh, uh, we went to Cooperstown. Uh, you know, we've been to... Uh, we did the tour around the Great Lakes at one point. Uh, because well, I was in Toronto. Did you make we, make your way down to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? We well, we went to Detroit. Okay. We went to Canton. We went to Cleveland. Saw a game in Cleveland. Uh, we went to Pittsburgh and saw a game in Pittsburgh as well. But oh, a story. We're going. We're driving on the on the on the highway from Detroit to Canton. Yeah. And I see this billboard. And I'm thinking like, oh, no, I don't want to. I hope he doesn't see the billboard. Oh, I think I know what kind of billboard you're talking about, right? And he says, Dad, what's Larry Flint's Hustler Club? And I'm going, <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I had to figure out some, something to tell him that I, I don't know exactly what Larry Flint's Hustler Club is, but I have an impression of what it might be. But, you know, I just, yeah. You should have just told him it's a gambling place and just <laughs> let it, I mean... <laughs> I should have told him that. I should have told him that. I can't remember what I told him, but it, I was just, I dreaded the question and it finally it came and I was like, oh. Well, it's, well, you know what? At least you don't have to explain, you know, what the adult toy store is. <laughs> oh, I remember driving by one of those and he says, Dad, there's a toy store there. Can we go? I said, No, we can't go to that toy store. Yeah. No, that's true. Just adults only. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. No. We'll, we'll go find a place. Wisconsin. We'll go find a place with Legos. That's what we'll yeah. find. No, driving back from Wisconsin, not last weekend, but the week be, week before, my wife and I are driving back, and I'm like, 
And I just, I sighed. I'm like, well, it's been, you know, with the pandemic, I have not been out to rural America for a while. So it was nice to get out. And I would just kind of smile. I go, it's nice to be, you know, it's nice to see signs like this again. And it's, you know, I'm out and, you know, it's just, I forgot what it was like, you know, being cramped, you know, living in Chicago and, you know, the pandemic kind of pinning us all down. And, you know, yeah. you're, I mean, you're up, you're up near Toronto, right? You're north of Toronto, right? I'm north of Toronto. Yeah. So you're, you're like me, you're kind of in a big city area. Yeah. 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 So um, talking about, okay, so you're, you grew up being an Ottawa fan. Yes. Okay. And Ottawa is only what, about hour and a half away from Montreal. So yeah. was there any, you know, when I talk CFL football to people down here and I have to explain what are some of the rivalries now, obviously trying to explain to somebody what an Alouette is, I get a blank stare. So when it comes to football up in Ottawa, who are Ottawa's big rivals? I mean, is it the Alouettes? Is it the Argonauts? Is it, I mean, because the whole division is within what, a couple hours drive of each other. Uh, yeah, well, Ottawa to Montreal, Montreal is the furthest east. Then okay. an hour and a half uh, east of or west of Montreal is Ottawa. Ottawa is about four hours from Toronto. Okay. And Toronto was about an hour from Hamilton. So, so you, so you could do the cert. You could literally visit every team in the division in a day. You could. You could if if they were if you if I guess feasibly. Well, at least the cities. To, yes, you could visit the cities in a day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, you'd be tired at the end of it, though. <laughs> right. I've done the drive. You know, I've done the drive from from Chicago to, to Hamilton. So I can only imagine, you know, you know, and those, you know, the people say, well, there aren't a lot of people in Ottawa, not in southern, not in Ontario. Ontario is a big, pro- you know. Well, Ottawa now is a city of about a million people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a small town. Right. But the sporting community in Ottawa is like a small town. It's about 25, 30,000 people. You know, okay. that you see at this, you see the same faces and the same people oh, okay. at every little thing, you know, you might see them at your local baseball diamond, okay. you know, you might see them. Uh, but when you go to an Ottawa senators game, you'll see the same people that you would see at an Ottawa red blacks game. And okay. if the Ottawa links were still there, you'd see a lot of them there too. Okay. You go to an Ottawa 67s junior hockey game. You'd see a lot of the people there, okay. you know, same with, if you go to the Hull Olympics game, which is across the Ottawa river that you'd, you'd see a lot of them there too. Uh, okay and the thing is too you know how in a small town you kind of know everybody or you know somebody who knows everybody it's like right. that in the ottawa sporting community okay. you may not know everybody in that 25 or thirty thousand group uh but you know somebody that knows somebody else got it okay yeah being in chicago we don't quite have that i mean it's it's such a big area and ottawa too is is a, is a government town mm-hmm. it's like washington where a lot of people come from outside okay so you know the people who are in Ottawa and the people who love sports in Ottawa, it's a small circle in a Venn diagram. Okay. And Ottawa, I mean, they've been playing football in Ottawa for what? I mean, professional, I mean, the Rough Riders started what, what year did the Rough Riders start? Well, they started as as the Ottawa senators. Okay. And they started uh, in the 1800s, you know, the, the 1860s Uh, football was very popular at that time. And it started as it's 12 man football as a lot of people know. Right. Uh, and uh, it, it stayed 12 man, you know, up to the present day. Uh, it could have changed if the XFL and CFL had done some kind of work together. And I'm thankful that it didn't, but yeah, I'm right there with you. 
Uh, so thankful it did. <laughs> but, um, you know, it started, in, I was watching a little thing today. It said, uh, football in Ottawa, or like the country, football in Ottawa started in 1867. And so, you know, it started as the Ottawa Senators. And then in right. around 1925, it became the Ottawa Rough Riders. And I believe that they adopted the Rough Riders name. There's two explanations for why they adopted the Rough Riders name. One was from Teddy Roosevelt with his Rough Riders group, uh, mm-hmm. his, his uh, regiment. The other was the fact that Ottawa was a logging town at the confluence of the Ottawa, Rideau, and Gatineau rivers. And so the loggers would basically ride the logs down the rivers to get to Ottawa where the mills were. And those rides would be rough. And right. so the, 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 there's that connotation as well. And I've read confirmations of both as the reasons to why the name was Rough Riders. So I can't give you a definitive answer as to where the name came from, but it's one of those two things. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it's like, it's all, it's even up pretty much as to what it could be. Yeah. So when were the Rough Riders name, when did they really be? So were they the senators up until the the turn of the century? About the 20s. Yeah, about the 20s. Okay. 1920s. Okay. And then, so for, you know, a lot of people, you know, for forever, it seemed like, there were two Rough Riders in the league, and and well, that's if people. The, yeah, people and, don't know the history, so if you could explain the history on that. Well, there was the Ontario Rugby Football Union, and there was the Western Rugby Football Union, or the Western Inter whatever Football Union (WIFU and ORFU), and they were separate entities. And it wasn't until uh, about the the late '30s, early '40s that the two teams or the two uh, groups merged with each other. But Saskatchewan had the Regina Rough Riders were existed in the Western group. The right. Ottawa Rough Riders existed in the Eastern group and they never actually met each other until they met for the Grey Cup, which I believe was 1940 when Ottawa played Calgary, if I'm not mistaken, in Toronto. That was the, the first year that somebody brought a horse into the, 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 the very posh and very uh, old Royal York Hotel and uh, they were ordered to get the horse out. But, you know, it was <laughs> it took a while to get the horse out of the lobby once they got him in. Those revolving doors make it hard for the horses. Yeah. Yeah. Not like the big ones we have today, like uh, at the Marriott's, you know, you yeah. go in, you pretty much drive a truck, right. You know, yeah. inch your way you're in, you know, if you got a small truck or a small car, inch your way in the way those things go. Oh and, yeah. Um, so we're the rough riders. If they played pretty much, I mean, football in Ottawa down at Lansdowne park, has that been the home of football for Ottawa football? the entire history of football in Ottawa or no, it, it became their home. The, the, uh, there was a, an agricultural society in Ottawa that bought that land uh, just like off of bank street on the east side of bank street, you know, the canal. And, yeah. and uh, they, they bought that land. The agricultural society did for their agricultural fair every year. And it became a, a big thing to go there and see the animals and, and, you know, all that stuff. But the, the, the team began playing there soon after they, the, the agricultural society bought that land. And there was you know, the patch of big patch of, of grass. Right. And they put up stands on the North side that could seat about 9,000 on the South side, people would park their cars uh, you know, and, and in the later fall, when when it got dark early, they would turn the, the lights on on their cars 
to light up the, the games so they could end with the teams being able to see the ball and all that stuff. Uh, and, and when it got cooler too, you'd have kids like lying underneath the cars, the, the, the bodies of the cars were higher off the ground. So the kids could get under there and stay warm. Yeah. And while they were watching, you know, the Ottawa Rough Riders play football, it was kind of, I've got a picture. There's a picture in third and long of uh, the cars all lined up on, on the South side of the, uh, the field. Uh, you know, so they could do that. And so, I mean, it, and just, you know, I, without looking or referencing this library I have behind me. So would, (laughs) would, would Lansdowne be the, could you, would it be fair to say that football at Lansdowne is probably the longest anybody's been playing football relatively consistently professionally at one location? I kiss, I mean, I know. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Hamilton, but, I think that Hamilton has been playing. That was that was uh, Civic Stadium, and then it became um, Ivor Wynn Stadium, and now it's Tim Horton Stadium. And I think basically with with renovations and rebuilding, they've right. kept the same. I think they've kept the same okay. footprint. I think in Hamilton, all, Montreal has been all over the place. Right, uh, they were Delormier Downs. They were at the Autostad. Then they moved from the Autostad to. Um, Olympic Stadium, and then now they're at McGill Stadium at the McGill University. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Edmonton Stadium. Edmonton used to be at Clark Stadium, then they were at uh, Commonwealth. Um, and they're like, and that's over in Edmonton. They're basically right across the street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, but you know, in Regina, they had Taylor Field. Now they have Mosaic Stadium, which is supposed to be a spectacular, spectacular looking on TV. I've never been there. Yeah, uh, Winnipeg has a beautiful stadium too. I think it used to be called Invest Investco Stadium yeah. or something like that. Well, it's you know that, you're talking about stadiums in the CFL. That's the one thing that I do love watching CFL games. Is the stadiums that the CFL has are pretty. I mean, especially in the last few years. I mean, what? How many stadiums have been built? Three new stadiums have been built in the last three years, more or less. Uh, we had what? Well, we, we had Regina, Regina, we had Winnipeg, and Winnipeg. then we had. Toronto. They went Toronto's into BMO got, Field. Yeah. Yes, they did. They moved into the uh, where oh, and then, was playing. And then uh, Hamilton rebuilt, you know. Yeah, they rebuilt theirs. theirs. Yeah. And then obviously out in Ottawa where they basically remodeled everything they did. when the Red Blacks came to town. Yeah. Yeah. And they the, the South Stands basically were con- condemned and they rebuilt the South Stands into this beautiful kind of uh, space age looking thing. Uh and that they've, but it's what they've done around the stadium. They put right. restaurants and all that other stuff. And it's really, really, it's really nice. You can go there early. You can, you know, there's, you don't have to tailgate. You can go to a restaurant, sit out on the patio, have a pizza and a beer before you go to the game. And, uh, you know, it's great. How's the parking situation there? Uh, it's not bad. Uh, it, it, it's hard to park at the stadium. I mean, but what I do is there's a school with a short walk. And I, my son and I will park at the school. And we'll walk to the stadium and, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. Okay. And um, so when Ottawa, when, for those who don't know, Ottawa was without football for a number of years. Yeah. Can you explain to everybody kind of how that came to be? Bad ownership, I think, sums it up pretty much. Right. Uh, the, the Gliebermans had the team in the 90s. They sold it to Horn Chen, who bought it and, and had, had it until 2006. And uh, basically he didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, just, it just, it was sad because the people of Ottawa love their Ottawa football, whether it's the Rough Riders, whether it was the Renegades or whether it was the, now the Red Blacks. Um, But it was gone from 2006 
and came back in 2014. Uh, the Osei group with Jeff Hunt uh, at the helm at the time, uh, Jeff, Jeff was a dynamic guy. Uh, he bought the junior Ottawa 67s and turned them from a 2000 fan a night thing into a, a sellout, uh, you know, 10,000 people in the arena. Oh, wow. No, I didn't night. know that. Yeah, he, he, he made the games an event. And my son and I were at the inaugural game for the Red Blacks in 2014. Yeah. And they had, they had wonderful little giveaways. And I've got pictures of, of the of game and us sitting in the stands and, and they gave us medallions and I've got the, uh, the tickets that, you know, and I've got them all framed and, and into this little thing and uh, I did, a, did it up as a big deal. But, uh, you know, you go to the games and like I said, you can go, you can go to a restaurant before the game, sit there for an hour or two or however long you want. You know, you can have a, a beverage, you can have food, walk over to the stadium. You know, after the game, you can go down on the field. You know, you can meet players and, and uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful experience. And uh, my son in 2014, I'm thinking my son was uh, a one, 12, 12 years old. Okay. And uh, so, you know, he's at, that was at the, he, the age where, you know, how everything crystallizes in your mind and everything in sports, you know, all of your great, all of your great experiences are like, just wonderful yeah. experience and and you'll never forget them for the rest of your life and that's why I, I i was really happy that he he was able to to go and we went every year up to 2019 and then the pandemic there was no cfl last year this year uh with him being up north and me being here it, it's it's been kind of uh difficult but i still watch the games on tv i i watched the game earlier today and 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 just you know commiserated with a whole bunch of people on twitter and yeah. uh, facebook and you know, cried into my, into my bottle of water here and I'll have a beer later when <laughs> we're done the show, but you know, uh, just, uh, it just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when, um, so when the Rough Riders left, then in came the Renegades. Yes. And well, the, the Rough Riders, I, I, I misspoke earlier because yeah. the Rough Riders left in 96, the Renegades came back in 2002 and lasted till 2006. Okay. And so I, I, I apologize for that, but uh, the Renegades kept the same colors, you know, red, white, and black. Right. And, uh, but the, it was never the same. And uh, well, I was, yeah, because I was going to ask you, what was the fan experience with the Renegades like? Well, we were living out West at that time. So, okay. Gotcha. On, on the West gotcha. Coast. So I could only watch them on TV. I could only, I right. could only see them on TV. So well, I do know this much about the Renegades. They had, at least in my opinion, still the coolest cfl logo out there a beaver with a maple leaf and i'm like <laughs> that's actually kind of cool well their helmet logo was that 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 uh kind of desperado guy you know from the westerns right uh, but uh yeah was it a beaver or a desperado beaver I it was, it was a desperado that. with it with with the uh the, the wide-brimmed hat why was and, I thinking a beaver? I mean, I've got the mini helmet in my basement. I, I should know this answer to this question. I've got, I've got a, a, a magazine from the first year. Yeah. Uh, and then football's back in town and all this stuff with the Renegades logo. And, and uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to find it to see if I can uh, and put, post a picture and send it to you. Yeah, if you could. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. Yeah, because I've got all the mini helmets. That's the one yeah. thing when I, you know, I mean, I'd love to be able to put them all behind me, but I got the sun that comes in. I don't want to ruin them. So I, I've got I all the, I've got all the helmets in my basement and, and I don't even know where I'm going with the story. So just bear, <laughs> so just roll with me on this one. But when it comes to like logo, you know, we're talking, you know, I'm big on football fashion. So for, you know, we're, this is obviously an audio 
podcast. We're not doing video. But behind you, you've got the old Rough Riders helmet with yes. the R and the first Red Blacks helmet. And, yeah, the white one. And to me, and I told I think I told you this one before we started recording, that old Rough Riders logo helmet, to me, is still one of the cooler ones. It's even cooler than, you know, even here in Chicago, the, the Bears and even my, the, old, the Cardinals, the old Cardinals helmet was a very basic look. But to me, that Rough Rider logo helmet was the best basic look if you could ever, if you could ever have one. My son wore that helmet when we went to the Grey Cup game in Ottawa in 2017. Every little place that we went to, as soon as he went in the room, all eyes were on him. And it gave me the impression that this must be what it's like when you walk in with a good looking girl into a bar. And like all of a sudden, every guy's looking at, at the girl. Every guy in the place was eyeing that helmet, thinking of a way they could kill him and me to steal it. I'm sure. Oh. And that helmet, as you, as you said before we started recording, that helmet has a story. It does have a story, yeah. Um, I left Ottawa in 2000, and my then fiance, who became my wife and is now my ex-wife, I told her, before we leave Ottawa, we moved to Seattle. I said, before we leave Ottawa, I would love to get a Rough Rider helmet. I'll buy it from somebody. I don't care. I want to get a Rough Rider helmet. And a friend of mine, Rick Sovieta, who played for the Argos and then played for the Rough Riders as well, uh, he had a, a bar and restaurant called Rick's Cantina in the south end of Ottawa. That helmet was sitting or, on the wall behind the bar, and it was there for everyone to look at and love. And uh, my, my ex-wife went up to Rick and said, Rick, is there a way you know anybody that how we could buy a helmet from somebody anybody that would have one to sell and uh rick said for howie and she said yeah he grabbed that helmet from the wall and put it on the bar in front of between them and gave it to her and when i i got home uh the night before we were getting married actually and she was off with her girlfriends uh at, at a the, the girls thing i'd gotten home from the guys thing and I was, you know, a little non-compassmentous. I wasn't really all there because my, you know, somebody give me alcohol. I, I don't, I don't know why, <laughs> but I, I didn't, I, I didn't turn the light on. I just, I got, you know, got into my, my pajamas and, and uh, was, didn't turn the light on, went to go to bed and, and I felt this thing on my pillow and I turned the light on and this helmet was on my pillow. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh my God, it, it, it's, when we got married, uh, I, I put it on the gift table. <laughs> you know, I yeah. put it there. And every guy in the place was like, where'd you get that helmet? Where'd you get that helmet? And I had to tell everybody <laughs> that, that story, you know, a hundred and different times. But yeah, it's, it's, one of my, it's one of my favorite things in the whole world. And, and uh, I will never, ever get rid of it. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. And the white and the white rough, uh, the what the white yeah see i can't it's it's late at night so i'm having a hard time talking but the white red black one is there a story behind that one too well the, every year at the end of the season uh the teams sell their equipment basically because okay. they, they can't you can't wear old equipment you know that because i mean if you wear an old helmet it you know it can be bad for your health right uh, so they sell them off to the fans and uh uh we happen to be in ottawa uh that weekend and we knew the sale was on and we had tickets to go to a senator's game that night. 
So we made a kind of a day of it. We went to the, went to the Lansdowne park and we lined up. And by the time we got in, uh, there was only a few things left. I got a couple of practice jerseys and I got that helmet. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah. And uh, so I've got a picture of my son standing on the logo at center field, you know, in Lansdowne park uh, and uh, with the helmet on and the practice Jersey. And, you know, he's in, he's in a stance, like he's a DB, you know? And yeah. And uh, so uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's not much of a story, but that's the story. No, that's a, that's a good story. It's, you know, the thing is when it comes to, you know, you know, you and I are both, big football fashion guys. So when it comes to helmets or anything, and it's funny because I've got friends of mine in, in Europe, so they don't obviously, you know, they're not like us, you know, growing up with our football and, you know, just something about the helmets and the fashion. And we were talking about this earlier in terms of even today's look, I mean, even, you know, talking about the teams today um, up until a few years ago, and we were talking about B- the BC lions. Yes. Um, you know, I love their, love their, love their helmet. Cause it's very much a Bron- Denver Broncos look with a Denver Broncos look with when they do their color rush and they put the old Denver, you know, and they slap it on, but there's something about just all the CFL uniforms that have always, I don't know, to me, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but just talking about, you know, I'm like you, man. I just I miss the old days when the uniforms were simpler and just that very clean cut look. Um, you know, even we were talking about using Oregon as a as a good yes, example yes. of you know, it's like okay, keep it simple. If you know. I understand that video games are all the rage and everybody right. wants their their uniforms to look good on the video games, but to me, my my favorite football uniform of all time is the 1960s black. Ottawa Rough Riders uniform with the three quarter sleeves, right? The, you know, and the the white that's narrow white stripes, the thick red stripes, narrow white stripe, thick red stripe. Yeah, that to me, that was perfection. And the block numbers, the block white numbers on the black jersey, they stand out, they pop so much. Right, and and it's just that's my favorite of all time. And I, uh, I, I loved I loved the Denver Broncos orange jerseys with the orange helmets and the white mm-hmm. pants. I loved that look. When they went to the new blue, I was kind of like, ah. Oh, the one, the current one that they have. Yeah. Well, they kind of updated it since then, but I think yeah. it was 1998 or something yeah, like that when, they, a, went the when they when they won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. And they, they had the stripe that went down the pants that matched the stripe on the inside of the, the jersey as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Arizona switched their uniforms. Kind of like that. And then they updated the logo. And I'm like, yeah, I I like the parakeet on the side of the helmet. You know what they have now is kind of the mean bird, and it's still the Cardinals. I mean, they're still my team. I'm still going to root for them, but I miss that old logo. Well, I um, loved the Cardinals uniforms when they were in St. Louis. Jim Hart was the quarterback. Yeah, the, the white ones with the red numbers and the and the, yeah. the stripes that were similar to the Ottawa Roughrider stripes. Yeah, I mean, very just very basic. Yeah. Now, with that said, though, I was having this conversation with my wife today because um, my wife hates the color magenta. Okay. Okay. And you know what magenta is. And I have a magenta sweatshirt. And I, but my, one of my all time favorite uniforms is a Southern California son of the World Football League. Wow. And uh, Scott, when uh, Scott and, uh, and I have done shows, oftentimes we will both break out the magenta. <laughs> <laughs> Just. <laughs> 
Is it We've just to bother few, your wife? Is it just to bother just your wife? To, well, or? it kind of bothered my wife at times. And uh, but I try to explain to her, I go, you don't understand when growing up in the 70s, loud colors like magenta and you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, oh. and even the Miami Dolphins, you know, yes. those colors represent something. And this is kind of where I'm in a roundabout way, talking about your son with the football. Yes. You know, those uniforms mean something to all of us. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing growing, you know, looking at different generations. Like, you know, here in Chicago, fathers and sons and grandsons have pretty much had the bait, the same uniform. They're yeah. all generations, same up in Green Bay. But, you know, up in Canada, it really is not that way. I mean, other than Ottawa, I think Ottawa, Ottawa and Edmonton, all, and even Calgary. But it's just, there's just something about, and again, I'm going off on a tangent and people probably tune out, tune me out after this, but now there's just something about magical about a, a football uniform. Don't yeah, know you're what right. it is. I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think, I think that there's room to talk about football fashion on it, on any show. Yeah. So with the old Winnipeg blue bombers, the old Winnipeg blue bombers uh, uniforms with the gold pants and the uh, either the white or the blue jerseys with right. the, with the gold and white stripes on the arms. Yeah, and the the white numbers on the blue jerseys and the blue numbers on the white jerseys, to me, yeah. I've got time for that all day. Right. Well, and you know, it's on my Twitter when I do my Twitter feed, and you see it probably a lot too. I'll post old Minnesota Viking stuff. Yeah. And the reason why I do that, well, I always like I always do that to give a shout out to Coach Grant who follows me because you know, <laughs> when he's yeah. you know, it's it's funny when he pops up. It's like hey, like you know, and I'm like oh, you know, but. I, like- I was I was writing a piece. Interesting, you brought up Bud Grant because you, we talked about Bud Grant earlier too in our pre pre show talk. Yeah. But when I when I I recently wrote a piece on uh, Bucky Dent's home run in, in Boston in 1978 and yeah. the lead up to that. But when I was going through old newspapers, I would see old stories and Bud Grant goes CFL on uh, you know when, when coaching. The, he called out an old CFL play with the Vikings. And, uh, and, and it, g- it gave them the win. And uh, I can't remember what the play was. I was just kind of incidental reading while I was yeah. trying to research my piece. But uh, yeah, if you ever get to talk to him, ask him about, you know, if he ever used CFL kind of plays while he was oh, coaching yeah. Minnesota. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And uh, well, like when it comes to those old Vikings teams, because I always look at those old Minnesota Vikings, I've always kind of considered because Minnesota is far enough north. It's in the Canadian sphere of influence. It's, it's farther north in terms of latitude than than a lot of the CFL cities in Ontario. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Didn't even think about that. But there's, you know, it's something about back. If you remember back when we were kids, when the Vikings, it seemed like they played every year. But the Vikings, when the Vikings and the Cowboys played at Texas Stadium, there was something about the way the light bounced off those Viking helmets that just made them magical. If you go back and you go look at some of the when, old... Like Ahmad Rashad was playing? or No, when that? Fran Tarkenton was playing. Fran Tarkenton and Carl Eller and all yeah. those guys. It was just a deep purple. And it was just, I just, and, and you know, I mean, you try to explain that to somebody who didn't grow up during that era. Well, I, I, the, it's funny because the people I hang around with, or not yeah. all the people I hang around with, but a lot of the people, a lot of the people I talk to, you know, and, and I'm close to on Facebook or close to on, on social media, they're like you and me you know, that they care about the look of a uniform. They care about the font of the numbers on the, on the, right. uh, on the, on the jerseys. They care about 
you know, certain like shoulder patches and things like that. Yeah. I mean, almost to the point where they're, they're, they're more obsessed about them than I am, you know? And it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm like, okay, chill boys, chill. Yeah. You know? It's almost akin to, you know, you know, after 30 years in the military and the Navy and the, you know, I was in the army and both, I was both in the army and the Navy. So, you know, 30 years being in service. Yeah. We would get the same way too with that. You know, yeah. I mean, we get obsessed, um, but they're just something. And if you remember, do you guys, do you remember when Lanny um, and Scotty did their CFL show? I'd have to, I'd have from to, Tokyo. No, uh, up I'd until have to, last uh, year. Yeah, they had a great show, but uh, they always did a bit each week about uh, uniforms. Oh, really? And eh? So they would pick out a winner each week. And I would be there for that. I would be there for that. Yeah, anytime, it's yeah. Uh, fortunately their shows are still available. Yeah, just to go back and listen to. But they had a great show. In fact, they're the reason why I wanted to do this whole podcasting thing. Of course, those guys were professionals. I'm like, man, sure. but they just entertained the hell out of me. And yeah. actually kind of brought me back into the CFL, watching the CFL again. I'm thinking every time I think of those old Viking teams, yeah, I hear John Facenda in my head, you know, on oh, the old yeah. NFL films. You know, John Facenda, you know, and that's the other a, part. On a cold, gray, windswept day in New Orleans, Louisiana, Tulane <laughs> Stadium. The men of iron from Minnesota met the men of steel from Pittsburgh. Brad Parkinson and Larry Terry Bradshaw led their yeah. teams into battle. You hear, you know, you hear that voice, and you want to go strap on pads. Oh, and you hear the music and everything goes like, yeah. oh, oh. Well, yeah, I just want that, to turn the TV on and watch NFL Today from 1972 or something. Oh yeah, oh yeah, don't yeah, um, yeah. The I, I I was having a big nostalgia moment uh earlier today because i was looking at i was on twitter obviously and um you know pulled up some old nfl today stuff and it's like oh and you know there's a no kind of completely going off here but there's on our podcast last year we did a show on some of the great broadcasters that we grew up with yeah and we talked about brent musburger oh yeah and brent musburger on nfl today that was you that was must watch tv before the games all started yeah yeah it was i mean in you know he doesn't really get his due either, if you ask no, me. No, but he, of, to me, to me, he's an all-timer. He is. And when the NFL Today was on back as a kid, did you guys get CBS? Yep. The CBS feed up there? Yep. Okay. Yep. We, we, we started getting the American channels in 1967. Really? See, we yes. got screwed because we didn't get any Canadian stuff. Unless you lived on a border town like Detroit. And I lived yes. in Detroit as a kid for a couple of years, but then we left and we moved back to Chicago, the Chicago area. But, yeah, we got screwed. It, you know, because I I would have been it. I mean, I'm a big CFL fan now, but had I had we stayed in Detroit, yeah, I would have been. You know, I'm. I have friends. I, in, I have friends in Detroit, and they talk about that. They talk about growing up with Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, they talk about growing up with you know Canadian football broadcasts mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Well, and you guys, but you know, going back talking about the NFL, but back in the '70s, that was a magical era, and I think, you know, I'm at the point now with football and. Is, does TSN with the CFL? Because we all we get down here is just the game. Yeah. But does the TSN ha- does TSN have like five hours of pregame? Not five hours, but uh, through the week they'll do things like right. They'll they'll have little features and stuff like that, and they'll talk because TSN basically saved the CFL back in the nineties. Right. Uh, you know, basically buying up the uh, the football broadcast rights and 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 paying a good good dollar just so that the league could stay stay healthy and stay afloat yeah well do they i mean with tsn tsn you know 
is our version is is a Canadian version of ESPN. Yes, more or less. But do they um, do they give as do they give a lot of coverage to the CFL? It's not like it's not like in, it's not like you know I I love ESPN and yeah. I love College Game Day on Saturday mornings. You know, you can get up with it. You can eat right. your breakfast and and watch the guys talk about all the different games that are going to be going on. And then on Sunday mornings on either the NFL Network or on ESPN, you you know, take your choice uh, or the other or CBS or Fox or whatever. You know, you take your choice. Right. I, I love the NFL Network show with Rich Eisen and all those guys. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's eat your breakfast and, and you know, figure out, do I want to play? Uh, do I want to play pro line today? Do I want to do I want to bet on today on any of these games today or what? You yeah. know, and and uh just, just the, the 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 back and forth between the guys and the, the chirping between you know Michael Irvin and and uh, and whoever right. he's on the set with and all that stuff I just love it all and yeah uh, you know and knowing because having lived it knowing how hard it is especially when you got you know an IFB in your ear and somebody in the in the truck or in the in the uh, booth is or the control room is talking to you in your ear while you're trying to say something to the people you know it's, <laughs> it's like knowing all that stuff and knowing how they do it it's just it's yeah. a masterpiece I love it all. Yeah, it's um, I always find the world of broadcasting, sports broadcasting, fascinating. And, you know, like I was telling you, I mean, a lot of these books up here behind me, I've got I'm a huge Howard Cosell fan. Oh, me too. And I, I do the Gridiron Japan podcast and my, you know, I'm one of three. Zach Heilman, he is he, he is the master of ceremonies, but Zach's 25 and our, our, our man in Tokyo is from Ireland. Oh, and really? It's interesting the dynamic that uh, you know, not only cross culture but cross generations. Yes. And so when I bring up when I brought up the name Howard Cosell, hello again, everyone, and welcome and to I, ABC's Monday Night Football. <laughs> and it explained what kind of impact he had in the seventies. He was everywhere. He was a subject of one of our shows uh, when we were doing the Giants of, of Broadcasting oh, really? uh, last year. Yes. We did Keith Jackson, we did Howard Cosell, the... uh, we did Brent Musburger. Uh, we did a whole bunch of different different yeah. shows. And, well, and uh, uh, just you know, just Google Sports Lunatics and it'll take you to uh, Yeah, list. I'll go back. I will definitely or if you go to, my, my, go to my uh, Twitter page, uh, I can't remember what my Twitter, my Twitter handle is. I think it's at Howie Mooney or something. Uh, and there's a link to all of our shows in right. my pinned tweet at the top there. Yeah, uh, but, that'll uh, be yeah. that'll be tomorrow's listening as, <laughs> as I'm working around the house to catch up on all yours. And you know, but you know, talking about Howard and you, you're right there yes. with me. But you know, you explain now to the younger generation who these people were and why they were important. The, the, the sports viewing universe was so different then, though. Right. Compared to now, I mean, now. Like you and I were talking earlier last weekend, my son was here for the weekend. We had Thanksgiving weekend that weekend. Yeah. So he was here and we sat out on the deck and he had his laptop out and I had my tablet out and we were watching baseball on one with the sound down and football up on the other with the sound up. And we could go back and forth and turn the sound up and down on either one of them just to, just to have it. And uh, you know, it's just the way we, the way that people consume their sports, like the, the fact that we're doing a podcast now and you can listen to me and I can listen to you anytime we want and anybody else, right. You know, as opposed to listening to terrestrial radio, uh, which, which, you know, used to be the only way to listen to right. anything, you know, well, it's all, it's it, all, it's all changed. The sports listening it, landscape and the sports viewing the it, sports consumption landscape is different. And, and it's changed really. If you think about this now, clearly, obviously social media, 
um, is is not good in 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 the sense that when you have a divided society, it only divides it further. However, with sports, it's completely different because yeah. it is now leveled, literally leveled the playing field. I mean, I I, I dubbed our podcast CFL America Radio. Yeah, because it's you know the technology today, and our cars everywhere. Yes, we don't listen. You know, we consume all of us consume things so much differently now than what we did even twenty years ago. That you even know, streaming. Yeah, yes, streaming and every it's the wave of the future, which is nice because I mean, you know, we don't for for Scott and I, we we purposely chose not to do a YouTube channel. However, on the Japanese side. Where we're covering Japanese pro football, the three of us are are doing a YouTube channel, and I've dubbed it uh, Gridiron Japan TV because really that's what it is. We're now at the point where I mean YouTube's on every TV. It's yeah. not like we're watching it on, on on the laptops anymore. No, you press a button and you talk into your remote and you say, yeah. "Give me uh, such and such." And can you imagine though? Just think about it because you know you and I are of the same generation. If this technology would have been available to us in college, what? what it would have been for us we never would have left our bedrooms we never would have gone to school yeah yeah i mean it's um but you remember do you remember back in the 70s when if, if there was a monday night football game with howard cosell and frank gifford and dan dandy don meredith in the booth and they were doing a, a game with the houston oilers and the dallas cowboys earl campbell and roger staubach against each other i mean everybody every eye in the in the continent would be on that game yeah I um, on, on a television, but now yeah. the fact that I'm looking at you on my laptop, you know, and, and, and we're talking to each other, like we're in the same room, but we're mm-hmm. not, you know, technology is a wonderful thing, but I, I'm, I'm there with you. I mean, when you talk, when I talk to kids, I say kids, I mean, they're 30 years, years old, but they have no idea yeah. what, what everything was in, in the seventies and the, and the eighties. Well, and we, we grew up in a generation where we have seen, I mean, if you think about it, and I'm going to use my mom as, and I'm going to throw my mom in here. To, um, you know, my mom grew up in the era of television and radio. Okay. I grew up in the area of television and radio. Technology, technologically, art to generate. And my mom's, my mom had me when she was 23. So there's not, I mean, there's an age, we're, we're part of, in some ways, kind of part of the same generation, but not. But the technology really, other than color TV and FM radio, tech, you know, but then, you know, look at where we're at now. I mean, well, radio's dying. in the mid 90s, the mid 90s, the internet came in and, yeah. and, and everything just boom, exponentially changed. Yeah. And it's, you know, but for, for us sports fans, it is a wonderful thing because, oh. you know, I've got terabytes of bootleg video, not uh, of bootleg NFL films. Yeah. <laughs> of of games that you know everybody way back when when they had vhs tapes saved and transferred now onto video and so we're able to at least look back at least because when we were a kid we didn't have that we just had books and stories no and then i remember about the 81 82 we got a vhs machine and all of a sudden we could record i could i could record that football game i can record I can record it when I'm not even here and watch it later. Oh yeah. my goodness. This is, yeah. this is, this is insane. Yeah. It's uh, and then it's funny. Like what was it? You know, 20 years ago, excuse me. Remember when TiVo came along? Yes. 
And to me, that was like, oh, it's a built-in time machine. I can stop yeah. time. And, and oh, now we look the commercials at, and not watch them. <laughs> yeah. And now we've gotten to the point now where even that is kind of passe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you think about, I mean, you know, it's every now and then, though, I will flip over to the antenna and it's like, just for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, crap, that's right. This is live. I can't. It's like the old fashioned way of watching stuff. It's like, yeah, I guess I can't rewind that play. Well, same here. I've got I've got basic cable, but I've got all the streaming stuff and I can watch yeah. basically any any football game that I want, any sports game that I want. Uh, you know, I can go over to ESPNU and I can watch a game that won't be on anywhere else. It, it'd just be on ESPNU. Last last year, I saw a game with Coastal Carolina and I think Hawaii. And because I heard the guys on ESPN radio on my way home from work talking about yeah. it. And I wanted to watch that game because it was important to Coastal Carolina. And uh I didn't have any money on it or anything like that. I just wanted to see the game and I was able yeah. to watch it. Well, and you know, ESPN plus is a beautiful thing. And yeah. that's, uh, you know, and for all of us CFL fans, even more beautiful because without ESPN plus, I, I would, you know, I, I mean, none of us down here would be able to watch the, the CFL. I have a lot of American friends and over the years I've, I've put on stuff on Facebook where, you know, I can't believe the Red Blacks did this tonight. I can't believe the Red Blacks did that tonight. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I've I've made CFL fans out of some of my American friends because of my, I guess my my enthusiasm for my team, and uh, so I don't know. I, I'm sure for you talking to people there about the CFL, you get a lot of blank stares. Oh, I get, I get, I get more blank stares than you can imagine. It's yeah. it's it's funny, even. Even um, my brother, my brother's a huge Bears fan, but when I talk CFL, his eyes just glaze over and he's, you know. He just... when, when we lived in Seattle, I'd talk about hockey to people and they would look at me like. Really? Oh, yeah. That's why I I'm would've... so surprised. I'm so surprised that they have an NHL team now because I used to, I was a religious listener to KJR, which was the sports station in Seattle. Yeah. And. They would talk about hockey twice a year when they do like a courtesy kind of a promo thing for the Vancouver Canucks and have their play-by-play guy on to talk a bit of hockey. But other than that, they didn't talk hockey at all. I, was, I always got the impression. 98, 2000, 2001. I always got area. the impression that Seattle was a, a hotbed of hockey just waiting to happen. Uh, having lived in Everett and worked in Seattle, I never got that feeling. Right when I was there because I remember talking to a neighbor about hockey and he says, Oh, I don't watch hockey. There's too many fights. And I'm thinking like hockey is such a beautiful game, right? The fighting. Yeah. There's fighting in hockey, but it's only a very small part of it. Unless you, you know, hit the minor league games and you know, the minor league, <laughs> my wife and I saw the uh, wow. Chicago Wolves play. Yeah. And it was one of those games where I think a fight broke out every five minutes. It was awesome. Well, it, it can, it can be that way, especially if you have two teams that really don't like each other. Yeah. It's uh, and, and you get, as you get closer to the end of the year and you got, you know, yeah, everything's more important and right. every, every play, every shot, every goal is more, is more, you know, incremental to the team's success or failure yeah you know, i think it, it i think get... there was a playoff fight going on now that i think about i mean literally wait a minute wait a minute now let me think about this no it was october because oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the reason why i remember that was is we had tickets but the cubs were also playing the giants in the divisional uh series okay and that was and i think that was in 2016 too oh wow yeah because uh 
yeah it was because we were listening to the cup game on the radio on the way back and it was it was kind of a moment you know listen to the you know talking about the way we used to listen to things but you know listen to baseball on the radio listen to football on the radio um today was frustrating because i was listening to the red blacks montreal game and all and this is where we talked earlier about tsn's issues that all of a sudden the feed cut out and it's you know it's on canada talks yeah and, and it went over it actually it flipped over to ottawa center center hockey pregame show oh really like you know so wow i missed pretty much most of the first half because i was listening to it and then all of a sudden boom it cut out i'm like well was this, I'm was this the, ra- the radio feed you were listening to yeah on, uh, on sirius the- xm oh wow was it was it aj jackubeck and the uh, ottawa crew yeah i can't yeah it was the ottawa crew okay yeah, uh, I'm wondering if Kenny Vrair was on that uh, on that broadcast. Yeah, he's, I, he's generally part of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was one of used those. To be. I'm not sure if he still is. It was one of those moments. I was on the way, and I'm like, oh, crap. And I'm like, okay. And then I just, I didn't, you know, I, I think at that point, then I tuned out, and then my wife wanted to talk to me. And- uh, <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. That's probably why I'm single now. But uh- <laughs> yeah, so so. Um, you know, so talking about going back to talking about the Red Blacks, talking about the CFL, let's talk about kind of where we've been in terms of the last pretty much the season. The season has come off really. I mean, they've done very well this season and keeping the season going. Obviously, we've had COVID issues, but not yes. what not to the point that everybody feared that they were it was going to cost games. No, uh, so far, touch wood as I tap the top of my head. You know, we don't have any problems or issues where games get lost. Um, I know that there was the one with the Edmonton Elks where right. I think seven or eight guys or nine guys or maybe more had COVID and they couldn't practice and they couldn't attend the anything, any functions yeah. with the team or anything like that. And that, and that was a pretty, that was, it was a close call. I mean, that could yeah. have caught, I mean, that could have easily costed uh, Edmonton a game just on a yeah. forfeit alone. And then we had Toronto, didn't Toronto have issues here? And then I'm, I'm thinking about it or was... I, I can't think of any issues that Toronto had. Toronto had an issue because Edmonton had an issue. That's what it was. And it was okay. going to affect the Toronto game. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, we've gotten to the point now. I mean, the playoffs are closing in here by the, you know, by, you know, the middle of next month. I know. And I, I can't, like, it's, it's gone, it's gone by so fast. And it, because it, it started at Labor Day, which is usually about halfway through the season. Right. And now, it, let me ask you, I mean, to this, I mean, you know, I mean, I've lived, you know, gone through those 18, 18 plus game seasons. It seems to me, I mean, the 14 game seasons worked out well so far. And I'm, yeah. you know, I know this is, a, they're not going to do it next year. Cause I mean, you know, 18 games, I mean, it's a lot of money lost. Yes. I mean, yeah. Yes. But I kind of like how they did it this year. I mean, it doesn't feel like we were robbed of any football. We haven't been robbed of any football. Unfortunately, though, it's it's to me at the beginning of the season, there weren't many teams that brought back the same guys that they had at the end of 2019. So it to me, it was almost like nine expansion teams. Yeah. New guys and new quarterbacks and right. and guys trying to get used to schemes and 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 play play uh, books and 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 game plans and all that stuff that were different. There's stuff that they'd never seen before, new terminologies and all that right. stuff. And it took a while, I think for some teams to get, get caught up and get up to speed. Uh, look at Calgary. I mean, Calgary started off terribly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Bo Levi Mitchell got hurt and 
uh, Edmonton has not been good at all no. this year. And Hamilton, no. I mean, Hamilton, where's Hamilton been? They were a team that was supposed to be, you know, with all their guys back, they were supposed to be top of the division. And, you know, they're, they're not doing well at all. And, and yeah. you've got the Argonauts, the Toronto Argonauts at the top of the East, which I'm, well, I'm thrilled about. And everybody was kind of like snickering when they were making all those free agent signings. Like I was, gonna, uh, yeah, I was, yeah. It's, it's worked out well so far. It's been great. Yeah. And, and they, I, they've had the quarterback, the, 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 the dual quarterback uh, kind of combo yeah. with McLeod Bethel Thompson and, and Arbuckle. And, you know, one guy would be good for a couple of games and they put the other guy in and he was good for a couple of games and, Right. Well, and the first, then, then you have, that is the good news, the good news part of it. But then the frustrating part is, is what we've always talked about every season is butts and seats. And tonight, you know, I mean, you know, you know, it was part of, part of when we were, you know, we had the BC Lions The weather looked terrible. The weather looked terrible in Ottawa. Yeah. I'm sure that had something to do with it. But uh, the the other thing too uh, is, uh, I, I get, I, having lived in Ottawa for a lot of my life uh, before I moved away in 2000 and uh, Ottawa is a funny town. Like I yeah. said, it has a small sporting community. Right. And they, they always love the new thing. When the red blacks came back, they were, everybody was a, a red blacks fan. Everybody right. wanted to go to the games and going to the, going to every game was a party. Yeah. The same thing happened when Jeff Hunt bought the Ottawa 67s. Every game was a party. When the Ottawa Lynx came to town in 1993, every game was a party. Once they won the International League in 1995, it's like attendance kind of dropped off. And just the newness on it wore off. They they love the newness. They love the the novelty of it all. They love the fact that, you know, it's it's, all their friends are going to the games and we're all having a good time. And then it becomes kind of like, oh, okay, well, there's a new thing now. Let's go do the new thing. Got it. Got it. Well, I mean, do you think, I mean, you know, I mean, you've, you've, you've been a CFL fan ever since you were a little kid. So what's your, what's your gut feeling in terms of where we're going forward after this year? I mean, is it going to be, I worry about Toronto. Toronto. That's, that's my biggest worry because, um, MLSC owns the Argonauts, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and they are owned in a consortium with Bell and Rogers, which are the two competing uh, um, uh, media conglomerates in Canada. Yeah. And at the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of you Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row One catalog and for gallery prints and gift items. Plus, get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row One Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. You know, uh, Bell owns TSN, which owns all the TV broadcasting rights to the right. CFL. Rogers 
doesn't care. Uh, and I think they want to divest themselves of the Argonauts. And that was, they were the, Bell and Rogers and MLSE were the prime, I guess, kind of catalysts in terms of talking to the XFL, in terms of doing business with them and talking to former CFL players. Uh, you know, the questions from them were always the same, you know, they were skeptical of any kind of, association with the XFL, not because it was the XFL, but more so because if you're going to have games in the States, when do you play them? And right. I can't, I can't remember if we talked about this during the show or before in the pre pre show. Yeah. We touched on it a little bit before we, we hit the, the record button. Yes. Uh, Sundays are NFL days. Monday right. is an NFL day. Thursday is an NFL day. Friday is a high school football day. Saturdays is college. What are what days are you going to play CFL slash XFL football? Right. You know, where are you, when are you going to play it? Where are you going yeah. to play? Where, where are you going to put your teams? Right. You know, where's it going to be? How is this, how is this going to be successful when the XFL couldn't be successful on its own originally? Yeah. And it's funny, you know, talking about, talking about that and, you know, I mean, I, I have this tab, but I, I try to listen to everybody's viewpoint, um, both North and South of the border. And so it was interesting hearing, you know, I knew what the position was for, you know, for most CFL people north of the border. Um, you know, Paul Woods, obviously, you know, he was open to it. And rightly so. He laid it, he laid out his position and it made sense. Hey, want to keep football. So let's do what we can to keep football. But still, I, I, I have a lot of respect for Paul. Yeah. And I, but I differ with with him on this subject. But right. But I mean, there's been there's always been talk of the, the ratio of Canadians to Americans right. on the teams. There's always been talk about lowering the number of Canadians and trying to increase the number of Americans. Right. And I, I think for Canadian players, it's important to have that Canadian representation. You know, it, I, it, it, I agree. And, but I think for fans, for a lot of fans, they don't care who plays and who wears their uniform as long as the team wins. Right. right. So I think that there's kind of a dichotomy of, of opinion on that. Yeah. And but having talked to to Ken Rare and to talk to Darren Joseph around that time of the, the CFL XFL talks, I think both of those guys were were kind of skeptical about the whole thing and kind of they wanted to make sure you know okay I don't mind doing this but let's keep the Canadian American ratios intact let's right. not lose any Canadian jobs you know for, for right. guys that that have you know gone gone to school you know wherever in the states and mm -hmm. in, in Canada whatever. You know, but let's keep the Canadianness of the league. We know they didn't want to go to four downs. They wanted to keep it at three downs. They wanted to keep the field the same. They wanted to keep, and it's really hard to put a Canadian sized field in an American sized stadium, right? Because they're built for the smaller field, right? And 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 so how do you do that? How do you get around that little that little hurdle? Yeah. And there are a lot of little there are a lot of little hurdles like that uh, between the two between the two countries between the two games yeah. that are important. I think in in terms of how how you watch the game, how you play the game and how you, how you consume it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, when I made, I, when it came to field size, I always thought, okay, that, that can be negotiable, but the three downs to me, to me as a, as a, as a Canadian fan was not negotiable because. I think I, with the way I it mean, is though, with three downs, like four downs, it suits the smaller field, right? Because it's you can't you can't use your speed to get around because the defensive guys have as much speed yeah. as the offensive guys, yeah. you know. Whereas having the wider field three down suits that because 
you can wear out a guy by going right you know 60 yards across the field yeah and then and try to turn the corner on him well and then it also came to and the whole debate was raging on and you and i were both watching and you know uh i i don't i think i was chiming in a little bit more than i probably should have during that whole time period and I was kind of like, well, let's if we're, if this is going to happen, well, we need to try to find a w- may, way to make it work. Now, with that said, and I, we talked about this before the show, you've got, you know, there's it, there's the American attitude of like our stuff's better than yours. So, how do you, you know, if you're going to have two leagues merge and one with the history and the other one basically being bankrolled by one dude? it's just there's there's not it's not only just a merger of businesses it's a merger of cultures and i i can only imagine if it was you know much like when you have uh companies from two countries merging i mean it's one thing to to merge the business entity but then you also have the culture you're also going to have hurt feelings you're going to have um you're going to have misunderstandings and i know down here you know, when the talks, when, when it, when they said, Hey, we're talking with the XFL, I tuned in the XFL podcast to see what the, they were saying. Unfortunately, a lot of them didn't even know what they were talking. Didn't even really. And for some of them, it, it made it to me. It, I'm listening to them. I'm like, they just realized. And I'm thinking to myself, because again, the way they're coming across they're they know nothing about the Canadian game. And know nothing about Canadians. And to me, that's where I kind of saw any potential merger going right off the rails because, you know, I'm hearing from Americans how crappy the CFL is. And, you know, we know what the CFL's business issues are. There's not a CFL fan out there is going to give you a rosy picture. Um, As uh, Tim Capper said over at the Al's flight deck, he goes, oh, don't think that, you know, the problems have not gone away. We're happy the season's with us, but we know there's work to be done. Exactly, yeah. Um, but when it came to, you know, and, and Scott and I have had this conversation too, and that's why we talked to Dave Naylor to give us that historical perspective on the American expansion, because there's a lot of lessons to be learned with that. Yes. And one of the things that I think we all learned with that American expansion is, and speaking as an American, you know, Americans are kind of ignorant of other countries of other cultures, of other, you know, what, you know, it's not just a Canadian version of football. It's, there's more to it. There's a history. Um, And, uh, you know, we've talked to, you know, I mean, everybody we've talked to who's been involved with the CFL, Matt Dunnigan, um, you know, Jim Mullen. I mean, it's been great as Americans talking to people who have played in Canada who are Canadians, much like yourself, Mm -hmm. because me, I get a much more, I get a more, I don't want to say this and I'm, it's, it's late night. So I'm tripping over words, but I appreciate the Canadian perspective so much more in talking because I'm able to at least, you know, I have these conversations and, you know, I've had, I've told you about this. When you talk to an American down here about the CFL, their eyes glazed over and they're like, Oh, they play football in Canada. And so in listening to the other podcasters, and you've got some podcasters that have done a great job getting up to speed and are definitely promoting the CFL. And I will, one of those is the Mark Cast, Reed and Paul do a great job and they are commentators. They are, they do opinion pieces. They talk to people. And I think they do a very fair and balanced job in covering the CFL. 
obviously there are going to be road bumps along the way and it, it happens and it, you know, but you know, I've heard other podcasters down here completely, you know, dismiss Canadians in the CFL um, while extolling the virtues of the XFL. And this is going back to what I was, you were saying um, to me, the XFL, as I, you know, I, I went on um, the turf district podcast and I said, you know, all the XFL is, is just a logo, a bunch of logos and a business plan. There's nothing definite. Well, they, 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 they did have some little rule tweaks that, that were right. nice. I liked the way that they brought um, the fans into, uh, into the, into the rooms and, and, and into the huddles almost. And, and I yeah. liked the way that, you know, I liked the way that they, they, they presented the game on TV. Yeah. I thought it was really enjoyable to watch. Right. Um, I, uh, you know, I like the fact that uh, they, they, they had the, the, uh, the different uh, gradations for convert point after touchdown and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, uh, the 1.2 point. Yeah, et I'm de- definitely. Oopsie there. I'm here. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. I hit, okay. I hit the wrong button. Yeah, they had some great, great rules. Great yeah. ideas. Yeah. I mean, that's and And we need more of that. I mean, I, I think so. I think that it, having little things, little new things. It, it doesn't hurt, uh, right? The, the, you know, I've talked to people up here in Toronto, and and there are people in Toronto that that poo poo the Canadian Football League. You know, yeah. they only love the NFL, and I'm thinking like, I'm a football fan. Why can't we just be football fans? Yeah. I love the NFL game, and I love the the, the rules and everything on their little field, and right. I love the Canadian game and the, with the movement and the the, lar- the wider field and the, and the three downs. And the rules on the on the punts and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, each yeah. game is perfect for their environment. Right. I, I can't. I can't. I, I can't understand. I think why anyone would hate on on anything really having to do with football because football is, it's 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 people have said football is life and it's it's kind of it is life, yeah, yeah. It, it, it very to to borrow a a line from a Ted Lasso football is life yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. yeah and, yeah and. Uh, yeah, and so I mean, there was a lot of passion on both sides, but you know, bottom line is we're all football fans, so we yeah. can figure this out. But the one thing that I, and like you said, why do we have? It's football. We should all be able to come together, no matter the version, the three yeah. down version or the four down version. We can appreciate each one for what it is. Yeah, and you I mean, I, I'm all for spring football, but the issue is, is at least in America, spring football has never worked. No, it's it hasn't. Uh, and, and therein it's, lies it's, the rub. Yes, uh, I mean, dogs, dog breeds are all different, but they're all dogs, and we love right. all dogs. You know, you know what? It's the best example. Yeah, that's the best analogy. I mean, it, you know, and and then we're not putting down dogs either. But it's no, great, I love dogs. Yeah, that's that's a great analogy. And you know, um, you know, some obviously dogs are bigger than others. At you know the NFL, but the NFL being the you know being the super the football superpower. Because really, that's it what it is. It's a, it's a monolith. It's yeah. uh, it, it absolutely is. Yeah, they make money just by you know they don't have to do anything to make money. Just merchandising alone is going to television money alone. Television yeah. money alone pays their pays their their bills. Yeah, and they prove they don't need fans. No, the the fans, the money that comes in from the revenue that comes in from fans is gravy. Right, and that's money... what's frustrating. That's what's frustrating about being watching the NFL. But at the same time, what's rewarding about watching being a CFL fan is we know they need us. Yes. 
whether it's to do a podcast like this and, and promote the game for free. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. yeah, I mean, you know, I've got a few family members that are watching CFL football and one family member that I even, you know, went so far as to order stuff from the Winnipeg blue bomber store. Wow. So, you know, uh, not, <laughs> you know I mean? But it's little, but it's, it's the CFL is such a grassroots type of fan base that that's what makes it so rewarding, you know, to do the CFL podcast, to be able to sit down with you, to be able to sit down, guys, really, Matt Dunnigan. I know. You know, Jim Mullen, Dave yeah. Nader, um, yeah. even Upton Bell. I don't know if you've heard the Upton yes. Bell. Interview. I haven't heard. The, I gotta, I'm going to listen. That's my, that's yeah. going to be my, my. Upton's uh, a huge CFL fan. And, and I, I followed him on Twitter now for a while and I love following him on Twitter. He, he has stories. He told stories on Twitter about his dad. His dad was Burt Bell, who was the yeah. commissioner of the NFL you know, at one time. And he, uh, he, um, yeah, we, uh, yeah. Upton is one of those guys that is the genuine deal and every story. I mean, he is, he is, I would say he, he's, he, he's your link to history. Yeah. He oh, really yeah. is. Because it's not just football for him. It's yeah. everything. He's, he, he's an encyclopedia. He really yeah. is. Yeah, he is. And, uh, you know, you and I were talking, we, I was in Boston last week with my wife and, you know, uh, talk to Upton every day. Hey, you need to go here. You need to go here. And, you know, that is, you know, he's, you know, as I told my wife, I go, love that man. You know, oh, yeah. He's just, you know, such a giving person. And, and that's what, you know, that's kind of the beauty thing about being, in, but if it weren't for the CFL fan base, being part of CFL fandom and, and doing Twitter, you know what, wouldn't have met guys like, you know, you wouldn't have met guys like Upton Bell or even my, you know, my buddy, Scott Adamson. Um, and that's what I love about football it just kind of brings everybody together. So it was frustrating when the whole XFL CFL thing kind of, we had the standoff and, you know, I'll be honest with, honest with, there were some things that the XFL people really pissed me off. And it's, you know, I'm like, guys, you know what you, have you talked to anybody up North of the border? Well, no, well, well you need to. You need to if you if you want to be a CFL fan, you need to understand the game, but you also need to understand the fans and the culture and the people behind it too. One of the things I love about the CFL is go to a great cup game, go to those festivals, yeah. and you will meet people from all over the country. And every each person that's there is passionate about their team, right. but they're also passionate about the fact that they are a fan of the league and the right. fact that you're a fan of the league and I'm a fan of the league. We can come together on that and we can sit and talk and we can smile at each other. And I mean, there, every gray cup, there's a, a group of, of, of old guys from Baltimore. That yeah. Up. I've heard this story too. I mean, yeah. uh, yeah. And they're and, always representing the oh, stallions. Uh, they they've got, one of them has their big coat with the Baltimore stallions on it. Yeah. Uh, on the back, uh, he, you know, the CFL Colts for life, but you know, they're, uh, uh, that's that was a button that was going around they get the big blue giant foam cowboy hat like uh homer simpson they got yeah. this massive flag you know <laughs> with, with the baltimore stallions logo on it and these guys they're just characters and you know you, you got to meet them and talk to them and it's just the same with you know all these genuine people from all over all over canada from out west you know right there are parts of the west that hate the east and parts of the east that hate the west but come gray cup day we're all on our own little islands. We're all CFL fans. Yeah. We all love the game. And we all, you know what? 
I love my team. You love your team. I love you for loving your team. And, 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 you know, it's just, it's a wonderful thing. And it's it's something I never really understood it fully until I went to a gray cup game. Yeah. And that's something you don't see in in the States at all. No, I mean, you're, you know, I mean, we got the bears Packers playing tomorrow. Yeah. And you know what? We all know, I guess it's, you know, I mean, when you have the NFL and the NFL is never going to go away. So you forget about, uh, you know, Packer fans and Bears. Nobody's big on league first because the league's always going to be there. But as CFL oh, yeah. fans, we know the league can go away just like that. You're right. You're absolutely right. 2016 Great Cup game in Toronto, Demo Field. Uh, my son wore the Red Blacks helmet to that one. Yeah. And he wore one of the Red Blacks practice jerseys to that one too. And uh, we're sitting there before the game, you know, we're having popcorn and, and, uh, and this guy out of nowhere comes over and he just puts his arm around my son. He's got a Calgary Stampeders helmet on and a Calgary Jersey. And he says, I have to get a picture with you. And I said, Oh, this is great. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It gives me his phone. I get a picture of him. I get a picture of him with my phone, you know, and you know, how would that happen at any other, at any kind of Super Bowl? Right. No, I don't, I don't, I don't see it happening. I've been enough NFL games and major league games. And yeah, you meet nice people in that, but you don't, I mean, you know, Cub fans are passionate and Sox yeah. fans are passionate. You know, but if, 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 the, if the Bears were playing the Packers at Soldier Field and you were there and you saw somebody in a Packers jersey, would you go over and say, shake their hand or something? You know, I, you know what? I know I would. Yeah. But I know just as a, gen, I mean, it's, it's not, there's, you know, sense of, there's a sense of community in the CFL fandom where there isn't, say, in the NFL at least in my opinion, even in right. Chicago. I mean, we're all, we're all bears fans. And, but um, you know, but when it comes to the passion of, of, of a league that, you know, all of us, you know, none of us want to see it go away. No, and no, I don't no. think it, it's going to go away, but we both know that it's going to take a lot of work in the next couple of years to unbury themselves. I mean, the having pandemic, lived, the, the pandemic, lived, sorry, yeah. Yeah. The pandemic right. exposed so much. Yes. And you and I, who followed the league, we knew that there were problems there. Yeah. I mean, because we could see them on TV, the lack sure, of yeah. people in the stands. Well, not just that, but we also know that the CFL basically is run on a shoestring. Right. And, uh, you know, each team basically is like a small business, whether they like to admit it or not. You know, they put on a good show and they, you know, right. but they're basically, a, each team is a small business. Yeah. And, and they're just covering their, their uh, expenses. Yeah. But the thing too, is that I was I I had a point with this and now I've forgotten what it was but I but uh, the thing too is that like you say we all know well, I was going to say covering the Rough Riders in the nineteen nineties uh, one of the one of the opens for our, our trivia show that I wanted to do that I never was able to do was to have a, a, a football on a hospital gurney with a, a Rough Rider helmet there yeah. hooked up to an IV with the beep beep beep, you know, as we're rushing to the emergency room and then have it go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was, you know, kind of like that was, that's the, the Ottawa football right there when the, red, right. when the rough riders were gone. 96, the end of 96. Yeah. But well, uh, it, we never, it never, we, nobody ever wanted to do it with me. Nobody wanted to put out the effort to, <laughs> to, 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 to video, to record it or, or to, you know, to kind of block it out and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I was going to say last time on the ultimate sports quiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I don't, 
I mean, I I had a I got a good feeling that you know, at least when the season started, it, it you know, when the season started, we knew it was going to start. All the bad feelings and all the worries went away, but we all know at the end of the season, it's all coming back. Where do you think we go from here? I think I want to see the Grey Cup go off first. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I meant after the Grey Cup. I mean, after the I Grey want, Cup. I want to see that. I want to see how that goes because I know that um, the Ontario government now has just lifted all of the restrictions in terms of how many people you can have in the stadiums. Right. So I don't know if it has, I know for Hamilton and for Toronto, they've lifted them. I don't know if they lifted them in Ottawa yet. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why the attendance in Ottawa probably doesn't look very good. Yeah. Uh, because each, each, uh, I, I guess each municipality is in control of what, whatever they do. Right. But I know in Toronto and in Hamilton, it's been, it's the restrictions have been lifted in terms of, for like hockey games, uh, for football games, et cetera. It's kind of like, I don't know if anybody knows this, but before 1977, there was no beer sales allowed in football stadiums. I did not know that. Yeah. When the Blue Jays came into the uh, American League in 1977, you couldn't buy a beer at the baseball games. Really? And, And they said, this is ridiculous. How can we go to a baseball game and not have a beer? So the Ontario government said, you're right. You guys can have beer, you know. Hamilton, you can have beer at the Tiger Cats games. Ottawa, you can have beer at the uh, at the Rough Rider games, uh, and and Toronto with the Argonauts games. You know, so all of a sudden, yeah. it's, it's like a light went on and said, you know what, you're right. What are we doing? <laughs> um, now, obviously, there are always some people that 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 can't handle it and go crazy. Right. Well, but, so uh, it was only and it was only province by province, so they could have beer sales say, in Saskatchewan, or was yeah. it a nationwide? Oh, yeah. Yeah, thing? No, it was it was it was a provincial thing. Got it. It was province by province, but I mean, Ontario provincially has always been conservative. And uh, I've no, I've noticed that. And this, this is something I learned in this past with the pandemic. Yeah. It, and it, as a result, Ontario was holding everything up basically was, that was the yeah. linchpin. Oh yeah. Same with the NHL. You know, yeah. uh, would, would we be able to play, uh, play hockey, you know, in the NHL, even if it's in a bubble, no fans, just can, can the players come and play? Yeah. Well, you know, we have to, we have to find a way to figure that out. But Ontario has historically, you know, well, we can't have people drinking beer. That's that people, they'll be hanging out on, on streetlights, hanging <laughs> off, the, you know, like, like crazy people, you know, if they drink beer, you know, then what will happen? That could happen in our town. But uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's been the thinking historically, you know, but then once I can remember as a kid, uh, we would get into the games, uh, you know, before pre-1977, and we, we, me and my friends would have a couple of garbage bags in our pockets. And after the games, we'd go through the stands and we'd pick up all of the, the cans and all of the uh, whatever we could and take them to the beer store for deposit money. And that would be our poker money, you know, for, for that night. Oh, wow. You know, $10, yeah. $15 each, you know, for, for whatever we could collect. And then we'd play cards and, uh, you know, you know, as, as teenagers. And okay. uh, we wouldn't drink, but we play cards right. and we'd, we'd collect all the cans and, and take them to the, to the beer store and collect the deposit money. And, and that, that's what we would do. And it was kind of, you know, we, we came from the poor side of town, so we, we had no pride. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, back then too, man, you could get a, you know, I mean, the recycling stuff that it used to, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to even what you would get on recycling in today's day and age yeah, with I don't even know. inflation and, the way everything. I, I remember I, I cleaned out my garage one time and, and loaded my car up with a whole bunch of stuff and took it to a metal recycling place. And I think I got 
twelve dollars or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh. like you. I remember, you know, taking the cans in, and you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, got a nice little. It wasn't much, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't nothing to sneeze at either. It was. But I had yeah. a bed frame and I had, you know, some other stuff that I wanted to get rid of and yeah. know, to get over to the metal recycling place. And I think I got $12. Yeah. For well, let me ask you, you never got rid of, uh, and it's kind of segueing into the next subject I wanted to, as we wrap up here to talk about, and uh, you never, you never got rid of any of your uh, simulation football games, right? No, I, I didn't. I, I have football, I have baseball. And, and recently I got uh, PBA bowling. I've noticed that, you know, on, on, when, uh, when you post all that on Facebook, I mean, I've, I've got the APBA football and I'm yeah. pretty much, pretty much football, but I always, I'm always, when you post your, your simulation game stuff, it always catches my eye. In fact, I think I've stolen a few of your posts, <laughs> your pictures and, and just reposted them on Twitter. How did you get into, into, into gaming? How did that start? God, this is a story. Okay. Uh, January of, I think, 73, um, I was in grade eight, and our history teacher, there was some kind of thing where the teacher knew that a lot of the kids weren't going to be in class, um, whether it was a field trip or whether it was a snow day or something like that. I can't remember that detail, but he knew that a lot of the kids weren't going to be in class, and there might be about a third of the kids, and he brought in his APBA baseball game from 1960 and uh i i fell in love with it right away and i took my paper route money and i i bought the 1972 um uh, or the, the, the I, I sent it for the game and it had the 72 baseball cards in it okay and i played that thing religiously like the detroit tigers were so good they were always going to the world series their envelope wore out i i had to make a new one out of loose leaf paper uh, and write Detroit Tigers, American League on it, you know. And uh, but I, I I played it religiously until I went to uh, college, and I discovered beer and girls, and and, uh, yeah. and I stopped playing. I put it on the shelf for a while. Then 2013, I, I was I was home and I was off and I was kind of bored. And I went online and I looked to see if the company was still around. Okay. And I bought the cards for the 2012 season. And I got back into it and I got okay. back into it in a kind of a stupid, obsessive way. And, and, uh, uh, you know, then, uh, I, I got, I ended up amassing whole sets of, of other years cards for baseball. And, uh, I had, I, I, in 1970, in 1980, I bought the 79 football game, uh, from APBA. Okay. And, uh, I, I got into that for a while and, um, I loved it. I loved that, that game, but they've changed the football game now. And I got the game from 1990, uh, the newer game and it's different. It's harder to play. Really? Okay. Yeah. It took it. I, I, as I said to you in our pre-show, uh, talk, uh, I played the, uh, excuse me. I played the super bowl between the bills and the giants. I think it was, uh, whatever it was. Uh, I can't remember which super bowl XX or something. Uh, I played that game with my son and it took us almost five hours to play that game. Yeah. And, and it, it felt to me, it felt like really hard. We could never get any offense going. Now I, I understand that because both teams had really good defenses. Right. But uh, if I, I'm sure if I had played the bills against, I don't know, the Atlanta Falcons or something at that time, yeah. it might've been a different outcome. You know, it might've flowed better. And, and uh, well, we're going to have to at some point here, and now that winter's setting in, so we'll, we'll probably have a lot more time. 
you know, you're going to have to, you and I are going to have to have play. Cause I've got the, I think I got the 95 game. Oh yeah. And I got the 19, it's gotta be the 1985 game because it's, they have the Indianapolis Colts car. I have the Indianapolis Colts, but you're going to have to teach me. One? Okay. Yeah, it could be. I don't remember. I haven't played it. I haven't played it in a while. Yeah. So but you're going to have to teach me how to play. I'm going to have to sit down. You're going to have to. I think I'm going to have to relearn how to play first. Okay. Because I would, um, I would play, I would play it solo, and I would play it head to head with other people. Okay. And uh, you know, I, I, but when you play it solo, you just kind of call call the plays that you want to call, as opposed to trying to, you know, focus or, or spy on one guy or something. Right. Know, when you're playing head to head. Yeah. Well, I got you know, I mean, for I, I'm in a league, and we it's been a while. I mean, we're you know all of us work, and we got pod, you know, with a group of Can- uh, CFL podcasters. Yeah. That we've been well, playing. Well, you play the CFL game, right? Right, the cold snap game. Yeah. Uh, through and this is a plug here. I'll throw this a plug in. One of our new sponsors from Play.com. Oh, good. Um, and so, but we we've been playing that really about the past year. I mean, we 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 got. I think we're we're nine weeks into a ten week season, and what pandemics lasted almost 18 months so what what season yeah. are you playing with the cfl well what we're doing is we're playing all the greatest teams oh okay. so i have you know being cfl america well, of course i'm grabbing the baltimore stallions <laughs> they and were a really good team and well, what made them were, really good i was gonna say what made baltimore really good don matthews was an experienced cfl coach right and they had a lot of of players american players that had played in the cfl before so they were almost like an all-star team they were in Baltimore. Yeah. But on paper, they're horrible. Oh, really? Because I'm, I, I, I have had the worst luck. I've got, I squeaked out one win. I'm literally one and eight. Really? Who are you playing against? <laughs> I'm playing against the 81 Eskimos. Oh, the 91 Argonauts. Well, this, this explains much, even the then. 94, even the 94 Sacramento gold miners oh, have, really? have beat me in the last second. So with David Archer. Yeah. 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 His, you know, but it's been fun because it's, I've learned so much. I mean, that's the great thing about doing the simulation games is you learn who these players are. And as somebody who didn't grow up with the CFL, didn't really watch CFL, you know, going back to that beer and girls thing. Well, (laughs) the beer and girls thing is, you know, when they had the American expansion, that was my beer and girls time because Uh, I had other things going on. I wasn't going to sit all day at my, at my apartment by myself watching during the summer watching a cfl game no i understand I, that. i'm getting out i'm getting out um but yeah no, and sitting down and playing the simulation games learning about the past and you know i do like tomorrow good example tomorrow i have two games i i'm in three computer simulation leagues i was in eight i had to cut oh. back way oh yeah i over <laughs> i overextended big time and you know i felt horrible you know had all the good intentions but you know you know how it is playing these games. You really get into it now with the computer stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a shorter amount of time, but there's still, there's still time involved. Sure. And so now I'm in three leagues. I've got, uh, in fact, I, I played one game today. I've got the 68 dolphins and uh, my 68 dolphins are a far cry better from my 66 dolphins. Yes. Who were Oh, 13 and one. Whoa. Yeah. And then the next season, 67, I was one and 13. So I've literally tripled the number of wins in the 68 season. So, you know, I, that first season that I played, 
I mean, I, I had the worst record. So right away, you know, I grew up being a Bob Greasy fan. Of course I'm sure. grabbing Greasy. You know, we're gonna build around him. So knock on wood, we'll see. But um, but how about you? I mean, do you get that when you play the game? I mean, it the best part is you kind of get to relive your childhood a little bit. You do, and you also get to understand a little bit better about what made the team successful and right. where where the where their strengths were and where any weaknesses might have been as well. And yeah. I think it makes you a, a more knowledgeable fan too. Yeah, and that's something I'm learning because I got into the action PC stuff. I read a great book by Ted Cluck called Pastime about playing simulation football. And you know, and then I got into the APBA stuff by actually, you know, seeing stuff on Facebook and actually um, you know, and you're actually, and I'm not gonna name his name on the podcast, but you and I are actually mutual friends with somebody that I bought the APBA football game from. And so when I, I saw that, I'm like, it made me smile. It's just like, it's such a small world. It really is. It and, really is. But as Stephen and, Wright once said, I wouldn't want to paint it. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, just, you know, and there's something about playing the games that makes you feel 12 again. I mean, it's, it's the only it way really to describe does. it. And uh, yeah, I, I next year will be the 50th well 50 years since I got my my game okay wow it was a 1972 game yeah and uh so I wanted to do a Montreal Expos um kind of a replay right have Montreal you was my favorite team have you ever um looked at any of the computer simulation games I want to be the one that makes the moves. I want to be the one that takes the pitchers out and does the pinch hitting. And all well, that stuff. I mean, and we'll talk, we can talk more about it after, but like on the action PC stuff, you can do that. Yeah. Um, See, the way I, the way I understood it from reading things on, on the APBA Facebook oh, page and stuff like yeah. that, I kind of understood that the computer does a lot of the moves and no. yeah, no, it, there's a, there's a lot of control in the computer games. I mean, um, but the computer does speed up things too. It makes yeah. it, they do yeah. all the math for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's really the only way to well, describe it. But that's one of the, that's one of the joys of, of playing these games is to right. generate all these numbers. I mean, for the bowling, I, like this year, I put my baseball and my football aside and I've just concentrated on the bowling whenever I've had a chance yeah. with, with writing and with the podcast and everything like that. It's taken time away from a lot of it. Um, and like I was, I was, I'm in the middle of a tournament right now where I'm just in the, in the preliminary uh, bracket games. And I, I put it aside because I got this idea to write a story about the uh, 81 Expos and going down to the last, you know, Blue Monday, Rick Monday, the home run uh, against Steve Rogers. Because was the other Bill day, Gullickson on that team, the Bill Gullickson yeah, pitch. Yeah. 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 I went to, uh, but, I went to, I went to high school with the sister and really, brother. eh? Yeah. Uh, um, did, did Bill Gullickson pass away recently? I don't or was know. It Scott Sanderson. I think it was Scott Sanderson. That okay. But um, that eight, the other night driving home, Max Scherzer came in to save the game for the uh, Dodgers in the ninth inning. And I got this, this shiver and this flashback to 1981 when they brought in Steve Rogers to come in and get the uh, Dodgers out in the, uh, in the ninth inning. And Rick Monday hit the, uh, the home run off him and you know beat the beat the expos and went oh, to the world wow. series and, and defeated the uh the, the yankees and i thought oh my god 
don't bring Scherzer in. It's not a good thing to bring in a starter in the ninth inning when you, you know when he. I remember because Rogers was a notoriously slow starter. Yeah, uh, it took him a while to get going in games. And what are you doing bringing him in in the ninth when you know he has to get he has to start throwing bombs right away. You know, he's not that kind of pitcher and right and sure enough it backfired on on uh yeah you were like i've you were like i've seen this movie before absolutely absolutely i was but it worked out for scherzer and it worked out for the right. dodgers yeah well and that's you know it's something too you know with playing the board games and yeah you know you actually kind of you know you gotta yeah pen and, there's something about pen and pencil working because yeah. i have the pater game too yeah. And I've got the Avalon Hill too. And it's just something just old fashioned. It's like going really through. Is. It feels it, like you are in, you are in the game and you yeah. are part of it. And right. like, I, I keep my baseball stats. I've, I've, uh, they have evolved over time. So I have this extensive baseball page on Excel and it's like, I, I keep track of everybody's OPS or you know, uh, on base percentage, their OPS, everything. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, pitchers whips and they're, and they're, uh, not just ERAs, but you know, their 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 walks per nine inning, their, their K's, uh, you know, strikeout to walk ratio, all that right. stuff and, uh, everything. And it, people look at me at, like, I'm some kind of idiot or nerd or something. And that's, <laughs> no. fine. that's fine. Well, you know, that's, that's the fun thing. Now we're at an age now, you and I both, and we live in a world where being a nerd is actually cool. You know what? I'm at an age too where I don't care what people think of me. Well, anymore. yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you too. It's like, yeah, I don't care. I, whatever you think, yeah, what? I don't care. You know what? I'm happy in my little my little box here. I'm I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, kind of going full circle to talking about what we talked about at the beginning, just doing these podcasts and sitting down and talking and yeah. and nerding out with each other because this is something that you know. Let's face it. Even ten years ago, none of us really had. Well how how could you do it i mean we had personally i had to figure out how to do this you know yeah. how to do a zoom call and uh, there's a there's a historian uh, that uh, a guy who's become a friend of mine a montreal expos historian and he's written like six books and he's maybe seven now on the expos on different aspects of the expos and uh, i tried to do a zoom call with him but he couldn't get zoom to work so i ended up driving to his house in oshawa which is like an hour and a half to an yeah. hour and three quarters away from here and it was during the pandemic. So right. we sat in his living room. We sat six feet apart. I had a broken hockey stick that I taped my, this microphone to. Yeah. And I passed it back and forth. Like we were doing a, <laughs> a, an interview that way. And we did the whole thing like that. Yeah. And, and it was like an hour long and it was like, my arm was sore at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's just, we live in a, we live in a, you know, for as, you know, you and I both turn on the news every day and we see what comes across and it's like, you know, but then, you know, we, we turn our, our attention to sports and then we turn, you know, you and I both go to our Twitter feed, we do our podcast and it's like, man, this is nice. And this is just something that, you well, know, it's, I, it's fun too. After, after I've written something and, and uh, people at work will come up to me and say, I really like the way that you wrote that or something. You know, oh yeah. Or, well, it's you know, much it's, like, it's, yeah. Like when, you know, you and I first got to know each other, you sent me that article on the Argonauts. That was a beautiful article. I was, aw- well, I mean, yeah, dude, I appreciate it's- that. And I, I tell you, I can't thank you enough for the, the response that you put out on Twitter because it, it was, it was like, it just, it boom, it, it exploded. Yeah. Well, and that's what I love about Twitter and, 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 blo- and blogging and everything. I like to promote other people. I mean, 
you know, when I for we first started doing the podcast, I would kick out, hey, we're doing this. But after a while, I mean, I'll, I'll self-promote a little bit. But then, you know what? what? The joy is when people find you and let you know that they really like your what you're putting out. Yeah. And yeah. you and I, neither one of us, we're not advocating for anything. We're not, you know, let's face no. it. Nobody's, we're not getting rich doing this. No. We're doing it no. for the love of the game. Oh, I, have a friend, I have a friend and she says to me, you have to figure out a way to monetize this. And I'm thinking like, well, if it happens, it happens. Right. You know, I've, yeah. I've put together a manuscript of the pieces I've written and I'm right. trying to shop it around now to publishers and so far nothing, but yeah. if something happens, it's, it'll be like a bonus. Yeah. And you know, I mean, writing a book, you know, and I've got good friends of mine that are authors. You don't get rich writing a book and you no. know, you're an author. You, I mean, when you wrote that book on the art, on the, um, on the rough riders, I mean, in Canada, if you are, are, are an author or a writer, in order to make money, you have to basically put out a book a month, right? You know, in order to make, in order to be able to live off that. Yeah. And that's pretty impossible. Yeah. Well, and that's a beautiful thing, too. I mean, about the internet, we can just post stuff up there. And if people stumble upon it and read it, awesome. Like our yeah. podcast, yeah. you know, people stumble upon it, listen to it, great. Because, you know, we just live in a day and age now where, at least to me, I love being able to do this because, you know, uh, you know, use the gridiron Japan, uh, you know, Scott is a retired sports writer. Him and I do this for the love of the game. Yep. We, we both, I mean, our goal on for our podcast is we want to help make, you know, the network successful. So anything we can do to help do it, that's, I mean, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty much team first. I mean, and then over doing the other podcasts that I do, you know, I've got two co-hosts and I told them, I go, guys, I want to see, I, I, I'm in this for you, for you. I like being behind the scenes. I like being part of the team, but I want this to be a vehicle for you guys to be successful with your careers because I'm looking at it for me, from my perspective going, eh, my careers are right at an end and yeah, I'm going to be moving on to the next thing, but I just want to help those guys you know, do bigger and better things, you know, down the road. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's why I like, that's why I love doing this and, and get, and most importantly, talking to guys like you who, you know, we can spend, we've spent hours tonight talking literally. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I do appreciate it. And uh, well, before we wrap, it's always been my thing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was okay. Sports history has always been my thing. Uh, and the fact that now that I have a way to express it, it makes yeah. me happy. That's what, that's what it does. Yeah. And yeah, we'll definitely talk more as we go along here. Um, I know Scott and I, in the past month, I've had some personal stuff, work stuff and stuff come up. So our, our podcast schedule has slowed down. And, uh, you know, last, a uh, couple of weeks ago, I sat down, Scott and I was sat down with, uh, Michael McCambridge, who, if you ever get a chance, uh, to interview awesome, it's interviewing him, Boy, that's, you know, to interview your favorite, one of your favorite sports authors. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, it was, I told him, I'm like, I'm fanboying out a little bit because I just love your stuff. And um, if you ever, and we'll talk offline too, in terms of. Yeah. Um, and so before we wrap up, how can everybody find you? So let's talk about your podcast, how to find you, how often you guys put a podcast out and where to find all the stuff that you've written too. The firedupnetwork.ca, all one word, firedupnetwork.ca. Or if you follow me on Twitter at Howie Mooney, uh, my pinned tweet right at the top 
it gives you a, a, a URL that you can click on and you can go to all of our podcasts, uh, Sports Lunatics, Google Sports Lunatics, and they'll all come up that way as well. And how long have you guys been doing the podcast? We've been doing the podcast now for getting a better part of two years now. Okay. Uh, we've, we've put out, we've, we're up to almost 80 episodes now okay. uh, that we've done. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's how you can do it right there. Okay. Awesome. It's amazing. It's funny too. You know, when you, you well know, you know, after a while you're like, Oh my God, we've done this many epi- shows. Well, like, when this is pretty awesome, Sean and I lived in the same part of town. Uh, yeah. And so we could get together whenever we wanted to, we were putting out two shows a week. Oh, now he wow. lives in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I live in Ontario. It makes it a lot harder for us to get together. Yeah. Well, and at least we at least got the technology because I mean, you and I have been talking all night and there has been not, there has not been one hiccup on our signal. And you know the frustrations. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to say goodbye though, Greg. I've got to, I've been drinking a lot of water. <laughs> gotcha. All right, my friend. Well, listen, I will let you go. Let you go. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the, hit the, hit the stop button. But take care of business and come on back, and we'll wrap up. Uh, we'll, we'll talk some other stuff offline. So we'll do. I will. Just give me one oh. second. Okay. Hey, for everybody, thank you very much for listening, and. Uh, Hope to see us. Hope to uh, have another show out for you soon. Bye bye. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. 
In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.